Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Adam Walls, not to be confused with John Walls, who's also a missionary to the country of Taiwan. Uh, John asked me to join in on the podcast. My wife and I are also missionaries on our way to the country of Taiwan. We started deputation in February and praying that the Lord would get us there by October of 2020, and we're excited to get there. So we'll be working with my Uncle John for the first two years while we're learning the language, the culture, and as he's teaching me what I need to know about training men in Taiwan. So he asked me to join in on the Bible studies and the four questions and make podcasts out of them. So I don't know what he was thinking, but we're going we're gonna to give it a go. <laughs> and so as we start off in the four questions of Luke chapter 1, the first thing that we look at is the historical background. What is the history behind the book and, and what's been going on, what's been taking place up until this point, what takes place after this point. And so if you were a lot like me at first really studying the book of Luke, you might have thought that Luke was a disciple of Christ. Well, he wasn't. <laughs> Luke was a physician. And you will notice as you study his books, Acts included, that he goes into a lot of detail about Christ healing power. Luke was a companion of Paul during his ministry before Paul's persecution. What he wrote was what he heard Paul preach from one side of the Roman Empire to another. He is writing to a man by the name of Theophilus. And we are unsure who this Theophilus really was, but Luke's letter wasn't given to us to find out who he was. It was given to us to find out more of who Christ was and is. And so that's what we're going to focus on today, all right? While we study the book of Luke, we should notice that he presents Jesus as the Son of Man a lot. This Christ brings salvation by identifying with humanity and all of its weaknesses. He heals the sick and seeks out those rejected by society. Uh, Greek civilization represented culture, and philosophy, and wisdom, reason, beauty, and education. Therefore, to appeal to the uh, thoughtful, cultured, philosophical Greek mind, Luke, and a complete, ordinary, and classical story depicts the glorious beauty and persecution of Jesus, the ideal, universal man. And all those big words were not mine. I've been reading books about it as well. In addition, Luke includes more references to various classes of people and identifies women and children more than any other of the gospel writers. As we start out in chapter 1, we need to remember that there has been 400 years of silence. The last time someone had a message from God was from the prophets. And as we see in verse, uh, the first few verses, Israel had kept up with sacrifices and all the customs of the temple. And as we study in uh, the first just few verses of Luke chapter 1, uh, I'm actually just focusing on Luke chapter 1 verses 1 through 25 right now. We find a man by the name of Zacharias, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the passage, but Zacharias was a priest, and he is doing his priestly duties, and while he's doing his priestly duties, the Bible says that an angel of the Lord appears unto him and says, Zacharias, your prayer has been answered. He explains that uh, what God, has, God has heard your prayer, and he's going to give you a son. And Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth are, are really old, and that's exactly what uh, Zacharias says. He, he mentions, the, how shall I know this? For My wife and I are very well stricken in years. We're, we're old. What are you going to, uh, what do you mean we're going to have a kid? And we find out that the, the angel Gabriel, he doesn't really take a liking to that. And so he says, well, you know what? You don't, you don't believe what God says. I'm going to take your 
your ability to speak for a while. So God has the, the last word until you find out that God actually keeps his word. And uh, it ends right there until uh, we find, if you keep reading in, in chapter 1, that uh, that same Gabriel appears to Mary. And so going through that and knowing the history and what's been taking place, what's been going on, our second question uh, of the four questions is, what can we learn about God? And this is where we're going to read some of the verses so we can see uh, some things that I can, uh, I've picked out myself of what I can learn about my God. And in verse 13, the Bible says of Luke uh, chapter 1, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And one of the things that I can learn about my amazing God is that my amazing God has the power to hear and answer prayers. What an amazing God that that is. And we take that, that thought for for granted that we have a God that actually hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. What a wonderful God that is. And another thing that I can see through verse 17, taking a look at verse 17, the Bible says, And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers and to the children and, to, uh, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And another thing that I can learn about my amazing God in this small passage of Luke chapter 1 is that I have a God that keeps his word. Back in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 6, God makes a promise to send someone that was going to pave a way for a Savior. It's also important to notice that God answered yes to Zacharias's prayer because it was already God's will to send someone to pave the way for Christ. When we go to God in prayer, we should always be seeking His will and not our own. And what I'm talking about there is that we do have a God that hears our prayers, and but we have a God who keeps his word. And if you want to be guaranteed a yes from God every time that you ask of God in a prayer, then pray God's word back to him. And what I mean by that is you're not always going to get what you want. You're not always going to hear what you want. You're not. Uh, and when we when we ask God to do certain things, if we want him to say yes, it, are, it should already be in God's word of what he's going to do, and then we know he's going to say yes. And so it was already in God's plan that he was going to send someone to pave the way for a Savior. So God said yes. Uh, another thing that I can see about my amazing God, in verse number 20, verse number 20 says, And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And I can see in verse 20 that God uh, is not pleased with disbelief. Zacharias did not believe what God said, and God said, pretty much, fine, I'll have the last word in it no matter what, and you won't say a word until uh, your son is born to prove that I'm, I'm right. So those are a couple quick things that I can see about amazing God is, number one, he's a God that hears and answers prayer. Uh, number two, he's a God that always keeps his word. And if I want to uh, hear my God say yes to my prayers, then the best way is to learn how to pray God's word back to him. And the third thing that I see about them, my amazing God in the first 25 verses of Luke is that he does not really uh, take a liking to being disbelieved. <laughs> Our God likes to, he wants us to believe him because he's an amazing God. And when we, when we disbelieve 
what our God has said. It's challenging him, the, the creator of the universe, saying, man, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about, and that's not, exact, that's not at all how we're supposed to see uh, God and, and what we're supposed, to, we're supposed to do. So number three, how does this question, or how does this passage point to Christ? Always looking for how the prophecy or how the word is fulfilled in Christ, or how does it point to Christ? And what I've written down is, although we haven't read far enough to tell just yet, we can already see how God is keeping his promise that he has made thousands of years before to this point. That promise was that uh, a promise of a Savior. Out of all the promises God made to his people, the promise of Jesus was the greatest promise of all. The birth of John would be a step of that promise uh, coming to fulfillment. And so God made a promise thousands of years ago that he was going to send a savior. And so he made a promise later saying that he was going to send someone to pave the way for the savior. And this was uh, John. And what John was doing was he was preparing, he was making the hearts ready for, for this savior. And who was that savior? It was Jesus Christ. And who was the greatest promise ever given to us? That was Jesus Christ. And so some, the last question that we, we look at is the application uh, how do I apply this to my life? And as I've got some things down, these these are some applications personally to me, and you can try to fill in the dots yourself with how it would apply to your life. But what I've written down for myself is, I know that while I read this passage, the thought of God being displeased with Zacharias' unbelief bothered me. Reading through the Bible is as easy to see that my God is a God that keeps his promises. His greatest promise to me was Jesus Christ. Before that promise left this earth, he made another promise. That promise was that he would return one day, and until that day, I needed to do all that I could to reach the lost world for him. How many times, though, have my actions and words screamed that I don't believe the promise that Christ will return one day? I know that when my wife Ashley and I first began thinking about this question, we looked at our monthly finances. Oh boy, that's a big one. And as we added the bills up, uh, my heart kind of sank as I realized that the largest bill was going toward my needs. Personally, that bothered me. Uh, as we added up all the numbers and put it all together, we found out that, that my needs, our needs, were, were, the, were the biggest on our list with what we looked at and all the numbers. And in our, my mind, it, just, it shouldn't have been so. Uh, my, my giving back to God didn't say I believed him in my eyes. We have since rearranged our giving so that the largest amount that comes out of our monthly finances goes right back into tithe and missions giving. Why? Because God is coming back here really soon, and I wanted to fix that problem. I wanted my giving to reflect that I believed what God said he was going to do. He said he was going to come back, and I wanted it to look like I believed that. Uh, not to trick him, but because I actually do believe that he's coming back one day. <laughs> so uh, another way that my life says that I don't believe in his word is the fear of witnessing. Oh man, that's a hard one too, isn't it? Now, there's nothing wrong with being afraid of witnessing, uh, but it's when the fear keeps us from telling others about Christ, then that fear is wrong. How many times have I kept my mouth shut when I should have been sharing Christ with someone else? Keeping my mouth shut because of fear of persecution or embarrassment is a sign that I don't truly believe Christ is coming back one day. And if I truly believe it, well, my actions are going to prove it. My giving is going to prove it. And all these different areas of my life will prove that I believe what God said. And God said he's coming back one day.
So I really hope that you've enjoyed this uh, quick section of uh, the four questions in Luke chapter 1. We'll see what, how Mary responds later on in Luke chapter 1. So if you have any questions for us, though, please be able to feel free to email me at adam at reachingtaiwan.com. would love to be able to hear from you. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next time.